everyone, and welcome back to Own Your Truth. I am Brianna Johnson, and today I have with me Chris Harders. And Chris, I we met on um, a networking um, app, and I'm not opposed to telling people about this. If you do not know about um, Bumble yet on the business portion, not for friends or dating, but if you don't know this about business, you probably need to jump on this app. A little shameless plug for their company. But I've been meeting a lot of really interesting people, people that I have been able to network with, people who have really cool stories to tell, and they're in lines of business that maybe you haven't thought of, like Chris, for example. Chris is a dating coach, a dating coach for men specifically. Chris, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I guess the question is how far back to go. I could start where I start it. Um, sure. About 10 years ago, I was very successful with with uh, in a lot of ways. I finished college, had a good job, um, very smart person, one area of my life really struggling. That was relationships. Um, not just with women, with people in general, but it was something that I just never learned. I was very, very book smart. And if someone had just taught me how to do these things, I probably would have been fine. But uh, no one had. So I did something that seemed irrational at the time, but it's kind of one of those things where once you've tried everything else, once you've read all all the books that were out there and nothing really gave you what you needed, well, sometimes the most rational thing to do is something a little bit wild. So I moved to Las Vegas, I quit my job at, in, in software, became a club promoter, and lived in this house with self-proclaimed pickup artist ladies' men who promised to teach me the ins and outs of what it meant to be good with women. They, they said, you know, we've we figured out every single thing there is to know about it. And they did know a lot. Um, some of it was wildly manipulative. And uh, so I learned a lot from them. And then over the, the preceding years, had to undo some of their learning, update some of the beliefs. And along the way, I started having guys reach out to me because I was a, I was a mechanical engineering student. And so my brain is an engineering brain. And... I was able to really break down this soft skill that is interacting with people into a way that people who aren't so just tuned into uh, two relationships and and interpersonal skills, a way that they could really understand. And, um, and I really enjoyed it. So that in a nutshell is what I do. And now I do my best to simplify the process as much as I can. So guys don't need to spend anywhere near the amount of time or money or effort or energy learning this and can approach dating in a healthy way rather than a lot of these sort of what I would deem uh, toxic, unhealthy strategies towards dating that are out there. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> I have to say that the backstory there, even though you didn't give a lot of detail, kind of sounds like a reality TV show. <laughs> it easily could have been. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the links and depths that you went through in order to accomplish this, obviously, it, this was important to you. Obviously, you're like, I'm willing to put in the work. I just want to know. And do you feel like that journey was was worth it? Yeah, it was worth it. And that being said, I could have saved myself a lot of time. There was like some pretty significant sacrifice with it, right? So sacrifice in terms of things that I had to give up in order to do that. But at the end of the day, I am so grateful for where I'm at that while there's things I might have done different on a second round, I'm really happy for where I've ended up. What is one of the things that has been the most substantial thing, kind of mind-blowing thing that you learned along your journey regarding 
dating with women or even relationships in general? I would say one of the weird things now that I'm on the other side, um, and now it's it's so much of my identity or or I'm so familiar with being good with people that that old version of myself, the 23-year-old who really just felt ostracized or isolated, now that, I, I mean, it almost feels like a stranger to me. I relate to him still because of the amount of people I work with and talk to, but it's pretty fascinating. And yet, it's one of those sort of like coming home stories where uh, that you hear about in the hero's journey, they come back to share their story and... At the end of the day, I'm more myself now than in many of the years where I was even where I was really good with women, but I like detached from who I am. And the interesting thing is a lot of who I was back then was really acceptable and could have done really well with women. There were just like a couple things I needed to adjust. My my baggy cords and, you know, suit suit two sizes too big wasn't really appealing to women. The comb over I had at the time wasn't doing it, but I, I didn't quite know how to engage in a way that was going to, going to, that, that people just kind of are interested in engaging. But most of who I was at the core was good already. And I don't know that a lot of men or even women are aware of that. I think a lot of them think they need to be somebody they're not rather than owning who they are and like actually showing up and being proud of it, but then also being aware of how much to share at a given amount of time. You don't lay it all on the on the table in the first right. 10 minutes of an interaction or whatever, uh, unless you're on a podcast maybe. But, uh, <laughs> but I think that's the most interesting thing is at the end of all of this, aside from some updates with how I work with people and interact with them, um, a lot of me is very much the same. And I think that should be empowering for a guy or woman who is struggling with where they're at right now, maybe struggling to accept themselves. And if they do accept themselves and then start learning how they can present themselves and be like, yeah, this is who I am and be excited about it, excited to meet other people. Yeah. Like they can have the life that they might think they want a lot sooner. Right. Well, and I think too, in a relationship, I always use the analogy of a slow dance. You know, when you're getting to know somebody, like you said, you're not divulging everything. So it's, it's this slow meandering coupling type of situation where you're both moving, sometimes not in sync, you know, sometimes you're not sure of your next steps, but you're, you're slowly becoming more in tune with some sort of a, a rhythm that you can both pick up on. And I think that that happens not just on our romantic sense, but in friendships and in, in business um, relationships as well. It's, it's figuring out how you can both move to the same beat, the same rhythm. There's some sort of synchronicity in there, some sort of commonality. Um, and I think too, like you said, if we just had a little bit more faith in who we are at the core we'd realize we do have a lot to offer and we can start with that. We don't have mm -hmm. to break outside of that and try to be something we're not or try to offer something we're not willing to provide. We can just be ourselves for a minute and that's okay. So yeah. I, I think that's really, really cool. Um, I did have a question though, cause you were talking about how, you know, your baggy cords and your, your suit that were too big just weren't appealing. And so now I'm, I'm dying to know what were your role models like back then? Like, did you have anybody who you were like, oh, they're, they're, they definitely know what they're doing in the dating scene, or I really don't want to emulate that? Um, are you talking about before I like moved to Vegas? You're yes. talking about back in the day? Yeah. Yes. I didn't really have any true role models the the 
the people I saw in successful relationships largely would just say, we're just saying things that weren't very helpful for somebody who hadn't figured it out, such as, oh, it'll just happen when it happens, or, oh, you you know, it'll work out. And, and it's like, well, it's not. It's not. So, what do I do about this? And then um, on the other end, I also knew I didn't want to become... Uh, uh, I've had I've had clients describe him as that guy. So the guy in the club who's being way over the top, being a uh, very ultra masculine, really in women's faces and really trying to be this dominating, uh, overly aggressive person. And I didn't want to be that person. So right. I, I that was kind of the two reference points I had. And I will say the one other reference point I had, this is a uh, this gets into when I had my first kiss when I was 15. But I remember when um, I, it was a silly thing in New York and it was, it was late night, I was in a workout room and she was too. And she said to me something like, uh, I really, really like boys. Who knows? I, I might just have to kiss you. And, uh, and I remember when she said that, I was like, all right, man be cool. Like we've got no idea what we're doing right now. So then I tuned into the only two mentors I, I knew. And I said, all right, what would, uh, James Bond and Elvis do those, those two guys, they're, they're good with women. So, uh, the interesting thing was when I kind of tuned in for a second, I was like, okay, how would they, how would they respond to this statement? Um, I actually had a good, I had a relatively decent response. So she said, uh, you know, I might just have to kiss you. And, uh, and then I, I said back, who knows? Maybe you will. And, uh, and then she kind of, uh, she, she had like a, a smile, her eyes lit up for a second. I was like, oh, all right, that, that worked. That was a good line. And, uh, and anyhow, it was a, it was a fun, silly little, uh, event, but I would say that was kind of my extent of mentors back in the day. And I do think a lot of men have that issue where they don't necessarily have amazing mentors, um, in this specific in this specific area. And what I see right now on YouTube is a lot of, a lot of guys telling men to become more masculine or more manly that doesn't necessarily, in my experience, um, translate into having healthy and happy relationships with women. No, no. Um, and, and too, like I, you know, I've, I've done some podcasts on relationships too, and I've, had plenty uh, of relationships that I can I can pull from from experiences. But one thing I will tell people about relationships is regardless of how they started, regardless of what happens in them, regardless of how it ends or whether it continues, you learn something about yourself. And I, I think that that's really important, too, is that we go in sometimes with this this Disney fairy tale princess mentality of how this is all supposed to be glams and glitter, when in all reality, it's really hard work, you know, and I tell my sons, I I have four sons, I tell all of them that they need to work on being the partner they want to attract. Yes. And until they have those skills, and they're not necessarily a liability, you know, they're not bringing in baggage from another relationship. They're not bringing in financial hardship because, you know, they're student loans. You're not bringing in situations that are going to immediately put a damper on a brand new relationship. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I mean, th- those are some things that I tell them. But as their mom, I can tell them whatever I want, you know, and whether or not they listen is a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of my sons is, is gay and he's having the hardest time. Um, and I think a lot of it is because he's only 20 and he 
all of this is new to him. He's only had one boyfriend and it only lasted a few months and it was when he was in high school. And now he's realizing that there is no norm as far as the gay men's dating scene and that there is a huge spectrum of responses and what people are Mm -hmm. wanting. Uh, Some some of them, which he's not interested in, are just interested in a a fling or a one night thing where he's trying to build a, a relationship that starts out slow. Um, and so he's been frustrated with that for the last couple of years, trying to find some sort of middle ground. Um, and he's like, you know, I'd be happy just making friends for a little while, but no one wants to seem to do that. So, um, do you usually have, do you ever have, um, guys outside of just this straight spectrum? So I haven't, I, I would be curious. I'd be really curious to work with somebody who, um, wasn't straight, but that isn't where I've found my expertise to be so not at the moment i just think it's it's interesting um i feel like we're constantly learning new things we're learning things about sexual identity within ourselves and then how we respect the sexual identity of the people around us even their gender identity like how do we approach this in a respectful way and make sure that everyone has that opportunity to embrace who they are and represent themselves the way they want to. Um, But I think that that has also caused a little bit of problems in the dating world because there's all this new vocabulary. And then Mm -hmm. you've got some people who are into this preference, but not this preference. And so it's always important to ask, you know, he, she, they. (laughs) Um, and, And then sexual preference too. Are you straight, gay? you know, bisexual, what, what are you? Um, but I've noticed too, um, and this isn't so much on the women's side, but there is a lot on the, the men's side of, um, sometimes aggression when you ask those questions, a lot of men who are straight specifically are offended. (laughs) Uh, they don't want to be asked those things. Um, and they, they don't want to be put in a certain category. Um, and there's a little bit of, of friction with that. Um, since you're you're dealing primarily with, with straight men, do any of them voice that frustration to you? I haven't heard that frustration myself. Um, I would say from my own personal experience, there was a long period of time where, and I, I do think it's it's interesting because I don't think men are aware that women wouldn't, they'd be a lot more open to them having different preferences or, or being open about that. But I still think there is a pretty heavy stigma uh, in the, I don't know, the male community. I don't, I don't quite know if we want to call it the collective of what it is, right. it, what it means to be male or whatever. I know for a long time, I thought what it meant to be a man was to be like the brawny man on the paper towel thing and have like a lumberjack thing and be good with an ax and chopping wood. And when I tried to be that person, I, I mean, it, it was, it was rough. And then when I, when I deviated to kind of who I am, so uh, I do my best not to, I feel like we can get very caught up in different labels of sexualities and all this. Like, I, I think it just gets very, And then sometimes if we start saying, okay, this is my label, then sometimes that creates an us versus them dynamic. And and it can be very not helpful. Um, But I will say on the the concept of uh, 
I kind of look at it more on the polarity of masculinity and femininity. And I have a little bit more of a a feminine uh, polarity to me, meaning I'm a little bit more warm, a little bit more accepting. Uh, I wasn't always tuned into that side of me. But when I really owned that and was and I'm aware that, you know, that's how I show up, generally speaking, I actually think that's probably why I'm pretty good with a lot of men who are less tuned into that side of things. Um, Once I've just owned that about myself, well, it became a lot easier to just engage and interact with people. And I realized like, oh, this isn't any judgment on me of any kind. It's just how I'm showing up in the world. And and, and I may as well embrace who who I naturally am. Otherwise, it's just going to be an uphill, like, it's just going to be tough. It is. And I think a lot of that, I mean, first of all, we have to find out who we are, right? There's this journey that we're all on. And a lot of the conflict with that journey um, is because as we're growing up, like you said, we either have certain role models or we don't, but we take on our own labels. We think that we are a certain way because somehow that's the notion we've come up with or maybe other people have given to us. And as we get older, we're like, dude, this doesn't fit. This doesn't work for me. So what's wrong? And people go, what's wrong with me, right? We internalize that. We're like, why is this not working for me? Why am I so X, Y, and Z? And then we put another label on it. Um, But the truth of the matter is, is we really have to take time to understand who we are before we can even get out there and broach a relationship of any type. Because if we don't know, then we're more likely to settle for things that we're not comfortable with. We're more likely to put ourselves in a box where there's more conflict later. Um, And so I think the first step in, in that relationship is the relationship we have with self. And also breaking down some of those barriers and labels that we accumulated over the years mm-hmm. as we were growing up. Now, in in your journey, are there any specific labels? I know you said this, this brawny guy. Are there any specific labels that you're like growing up with and you feel this? But as you're on your journey and, you know, Vegas may have a play in this too. You're learning that, hey, that's that's just really not me. That's not who I am. Yeah, I don't necessarily think about it that way much anymore. At one point in time, when I was a virgin, I was a virgin until I was 23, um, that had a, a massive weight on my identity. And because uh, I was looking at what's the average, uh, I, I was looking at, I don't even know if these studies are relevant or accurate or whatever, but this right. is the average age somebody loses their virginity and you know now I'm I'm far beyond the curve and so so then what woman's going to want me how do I present this to her and and all all these questions just piled up and then mm-hmm. and so there was that that side and then at one point in time it was also a religious thing because um I grew while I didn't necessarily uh, agree with everything from the um the the church that I grew up with um there there were some big some some big philosophies they had or rules i don't i don't quite know what you would say doctrines uh related mm-hmm. to sex and waiting till marriage and right. i remember a teacher pretty early on saying you know how great is it that you save yourself for marriage and and I, in my mind at the time i'm very impressionable i was like yeah that is a great idea but then by mid early 20s when i'm very unhappy in life and i'm having these rules that i don't even know if i agree to or not but they were just sort of given to me when I was younger, I, uh, I I had to take inventory and say, all right, I don't know if going out there and having some one night stands or having some sex and, 
is what's right for me, but I know what's not feeling right right now is living the way I am. So then I had to shed that identity. Eventually, the virgin identity disappeared. Um, it wasn't even right away after losing my virginity because I was still like, man, I'm way behind the curve. But um, but pretty quickly after that, I I wasn't behind the curve, and then um, and then eventually. Yeah, eventually, you know, now I'm who I am. So I would say those were probably the bigger identity things that I've experienced. Mm -hmm. So um, you've been doing this for several years now. How long did you say? Like, was it seven years, your journey? Yeah, so I started as a coach about seven years ago. And and by the way, uh, just I I do want to point out that even though I mentioned my own experience with the church, like I don't everyone's got their own views with religion oh, and all that. So I'm, I'm not telling anyone don't do whatever you're doing for me. Uh, I've got <laughs> right. my own faith and things, but uh, sure. that piece didn't quite suit me for what I needed. Right. Um, but yeah, what I was, uh, oh, so I've been coaching for about seven years and it started actually humorously enough. I, I'm trying to remember if I had my first client come on first or if I wrote a book and that's what got me, um, got me my first few clients. But I, I wrote a book about Tinder when it first came out. And mm-hmm. uh, it was the only dating app at the time. I was a, a nightclub promoter and our social media director said, hey guys, this is this this app, maybe you can get some girls into the club from it. So I was really excited because I was already there to learn about dating. And I'm like, this is an, an even faster way to make it happen. Okay, sign me up. <laughs> and And then the funny thing was, I was getting like no matches. I was getting no women interested in me for quite some time. And I was thinking, what in the heck is going on? And uh, and that actually got me sort of really curious about how to make it work. So um, I went on a date with some girl and she took a picture of me. It was, it was we were just in a mall and she had me do a, a running karate kick towards the camera and I posted it online and I was getting a lot of positive responses to it. So I thought, what if I make this my profile picture? And sure enough, all of a sudden I was getting a lot more dates or a lot more uh, matches. And and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I wasn't (laughs) able to get dates to save my life. And what I started realizing is if I start messaging the way... So I started just watching the way girls were messaging me when when I did get a a conversation going. And then I started messaging more similarly to, to them and then I started getting dates. And from there, I started figuring out sort of uh, just an overall, okay, this is how it works plan for myself. And I had guys coming up to me that I knew that were friends of mine that, that even lived with me. And they're like, hey, can you help us? And I said, there's zero chance I can help you. This is what I do. But I mean, everyone's different. And and then uh, so I was like trying to walk them through it, but it was really confusing. I didn't know how to do it. So one day they like I said, you know what? Here, let's just try it. So I they gave me their phone. I started typing exactly the way I would have sent a message to a girl to the girls they were talking to, and they were getting yeah. dates. And I was like, huh, maybe I'm onto something. So then I wrote a book uh, jokingly, and it actually started selling pretty well. Um, and I think it started selling well because it was one of the first books on Tinder, but also because yeah. it was very like. For a person who's more logic oriented, which I think a lot of some guys are, especially if they spent a lot of time in in the STEM field, science, tech, what engineering, math, and right. uh, and haven't had a lot of the the more the warmer side of things to yeah. uh, to balance it out. So for guys like that, having a a rubric or a step by step idea to get things going 
is going to be really useful. And so I was getting them coming on and somewhere in there, I got my first couple clients and started working with them one-on-one. That's amazing. I think you're onto something there. A lot of the, the men out there, um, on the dating scene are very technical minded. Um, and so I, I think that's something that we as women need to consider too. We, maybe we're a little hard on the guys. I don't know. <laughs> hard in what way? Uh, hard because, you know, we're just, we're not giving them the benefit of the doubt. Because like you said, if they haven't been in touch with that feminine side or had a lot of, you know, of that, that tenderness, it's kind of hard for them to automatically switch into something they don't really have a lot of experience in. Um, so, I mean, that's really interesting. I mean, a lot of the guys that I've run across, um, are it guys, they work in computers, they, they do coding, they, uh, do graphics, they do videos, you know, they're, they're very technical, very tech oriented. Um, so I, I think that that's important for us as women to keep in mind that maybe we just need to be a little bit more gentle up front and maybe more understanding, uh, that not everyone has the same approach and communication that we do, you know, because we can be kind of hard on people. <laughs> yeah. Even ourselves. Uh, so. Yeah, I would say that um, I have been taught some women when I'm on the dating apps, they see that I'm a dating coach. So they'll just start laying out there their, <laughs> the problems they've had with dating. And some of them are justified. And then some of them are kind of when I hear a woman. So some women will say something like, you know, oh, these guys don't have good profile photos. They're like, in terms of, I mean, I get it if it's a shirtless mirror selfie or something like this, where it's where the guy's a little uncalibrated with uh, right. with the photos he's putting up. But if it's a guy that looks a little dorky, that's wearing some, you know, some khakis and a tucked in polo, from my perspective, these are actually pretty good guys. And, yeah. and I think they'd be more than willing to have a girl, a woman come in and say, hey, I, I love you to death, but we got to change the polo shirt out. We got to change the khakis. <laughs> and and these guys are actually generally pretty good at following new instructions. So if, yeah. if the woman understands that, like it, it can be beneficial to her. Now I get yeah. it though. I get it's not always the most fun to to uh, to work with somebody who's not right off the cuff, going to mm-hmm. be playful, going to be animated, expressive, uh, understanding her, you know, her, her every need, uh, her body language and these sorts of things. But these are learnable um, elements and overall these generally are good guys. Right. Well, and I think too, as far as women go, this gives us opportunities to use our communication skills better instead of just expecting the guys to read our minds and to know what we want to actually voice that in a way that's not abrasive. So mm-hmm. we need to not look at this as, as something that's negative. We need to look at it as an opportunity for us to grow too, uh, because it, it does take two in this dance. You know, we are, we are part of this. And if we're shutting down guys or making fun of them or not giving them a chance because we expect them to have certain qualities, certain traits, certain manner mannerisms, but, it's kind of like, you know, you're looking for a job and every job that you apply for say, do you have work experience? Well, no, no one's mm-hmm. going to give me a job. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing in the dating field. I haven't had a lot of experience dating. That might be the guy's, you know, MO, but give me a chance. You never know. Um, I did want to ask that we've come a long way since uh, Tinder started. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's a lot more dating apps out there now. How... You're, I just see your, your service as something that really is a service and that there's a, a desperate need for that. And I, I don't really know that desperate's the right, right word, but there is definitely a need. 
how do you navigate that? Do you feel that there's more of a need now than when Tinder first got started? Or do you see the dating apps as maybe being a useful tool for you and some of these guys? I think so. I would say technology is always that double-edged uh, double-edged sword. It can be really helpful in getting you in front of more people, but unfortunately now I've seen it become the the primary thing people are relying on for that sense of social connection and and to meet new people whereas and what I've always recommended with dating apps is let this be a supplement not everything when it comes to your dating life. Uh, still go out there and meet people in real life through different groups that you like being a part of or you're curious to try through a gym that you think is fun to, to go to and go to a couple of the events that maybe are a little bit more female heavy, such as go to a yoga class, go to, I mean, really any... I don't know that I would even go to it, but you go to a Zumba class, there's going to be more women in it than men. And, yeah. uh, and so if you're just willing to to try some new things you can meet people obviously right. based on where people are at in the world um there are restrictions possibly in place right now where online does cater to that and if somebody mm -hmm. is online then it's about a about setting up their profile for success and first off nowadays quality photos is more important than ever before so when i take on a client generally I'm going to help them find a photographer in their area and then instruct the photographer the types of shots we want and even like help the client pick out the 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 clothing that would help uh, bring out the best side of him or more of a holistic side. So it's it's a, a photo of him dressed up, photo of him uh, dressed down, a few different shots in different uh, settings that he would like to be in so the the woman can get a good idea, a good sense of who this human is who this person is, not just a profile, a real human being. Right. And then it's also getting the the description in there to call out to who you are in one to maybe two sentences, and then also who you tr are trying to bring into your life. So, and, and to do this in a positive way. So I, I kind of laugh when I read so I would say I would say I see this more on the women's side because the when I'm on the apps myself, but I'll I'll read them say like no, and then they'll list all the things they don't want. Well, that's like let's let's focus on what you do want and attract those people in rather than what you don't want. Because any any guy who might be a good guy is going to see that. Like I'm going to read that and say, all right, that seems like maybe a little bit of drama, maybe a little yeah. bit more negativity oriented. So yeah. that's gonna that's gonna lead me in the opposite direction. And so it's interesting when I talk to guys, work with guys. Um, sorry, I'm going a little bit off tangent here on a tangent yeah, here, fine. but when, so when I when I um, talk to them, oftentimes they haven't really tuned into what they actually want out of uh, out of their dating life or the the woman uh, that they want to be in it. And I get it to a degree. I get when you start dating, you may not have a good idea. You know, you want somebody in your life, um, but at some point, setting any criteria or any expectations, you can be pleasantly surprised. It doesn't it, just because you say this is what I want. It doesn't have to be what it ends up being. But to yeah. have some general idea of the type of person you like based on your own interests and values, yeah. that's going to help clarify the type of woman that will show up in your life. I know the more clear I am about who I am on my dating profiles. Uh, the the better the women are that show up in terms of how we how compatible we seem and that really surprised me because I thought well why don't I just cast a wide net 
But one, but the problem with casting a wide net is then you get a lot of people in that may or may not be right for you. And especially right. now where there's a lot of people on most of these apps, then you're not really calling out to anybody because a lot of people are taking that strategy. So Right. Well, I think you're right about being specific. And it's important, too, to note some of those uh, qualifications within yourself because I, that's going to narrow it for, for the women, right? We're looking for very specific things, like you said. Um, and it, it's good for us to have an idea. If I'm reading your profile, yeah, I'm looking at the pictures. I, I want to know your personality and I can determine some of who you are through those pictures. So you're absolutely right. The quality of pictures and what you wear does make a difference. Um, I saw a gentleman sitting on his front porch, but the way he was doing it the other day, it almost looked like he was sitting on a toilet and I was like, swipe. <laughs> totally swipe like I was just mm -hmm. you, you know and it's it, for me sometimes it's I look at the pictures and I'm like what made you think posting that was going to be a good idea you know yeah same thing yeah. with like the descriptions and it's just like you, some of them come off as very misogynistic you know they want mm -hmm. a woman to cook and clean and x y and z and it's like what about what she wants is there a room for that on there because you know yeah <laughs> um, so it's, it's a, it's a turnoff, you know, we want men who will engage. We want men who are comfortable with their feelings. We want men who will voice how they feel and what they want. We want men who are honest. Uh, that's, that's a really good key thing. At least for me, it is, you know, I, I want to know if you're not having a good day or you don't like the activity we chose for a date, please tell me, I don't want mm -hmm. you to fake it because if I find out later, you you were faking it. I'm going to feel some kind of way about that. So I, I like it when the guys are honest. I, I like it when it's, it's a mutual thing where we can both come together and strategize about what we want to do and uh, the things that we enjoy. You know, you may enjoy 20 different things that I don't and the same thing with me. But you know what? I bet there's a small list in there somewhere that crosses and we have quite a bit of things that we enjoy together or maybe something that we want to both try together and neither one of us have any experience in it and those are the things that really start making those connections where you bond with this person and so for me that's that's the exciting part you know is getting to try all the new things so that's cool that's really cool <laughs> um, so which apps are you on right now or should I, should I not be asking that? Uh, uh, no, I I don't think I'm gonna tell people what dating apps I'm on right now. I, oh, fair enough. I didn't. The, the didn't reason come is up is, my... is because I already get a a lot of attention on the ones I'm on, and now I'm on the podcast, and people know how to get a hold yeah. of me. So you fair know, enough. good on you. Yeah, I I have a, a I get a lot of strange requests and a lot of strange people, uh, and I I try not to. Um, I don't, I'm never cruel. All right. I'll just say that I'm never cruel, but there are some things that I just don't respond to. So, okay. Um, anything that's, Fair enough. you know, rude or crude or lewd, I'm just like, I'm not your mm -hmm. girl. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious what percentage of the time that the, the crude, lewd uh, strategy works, right? Because, yeah. presumably you would expect it works a small percentage of the time otherwise why would they do it but i don't know if it does because i i can't see it working unless maybe the guy would i i can't think of a good use case for that um yeah but maybe I, i'm just I, I not thinking about it that way i don't know and if if women are looking for that you really have to question 
their how they see themselves as far as their self-worth if that's really what they're targeting and, and going for because you you know they're they're willingly putting themselves into that situation where they they might you know be stepped on and abused and misused and they're okay with that and that's a mm. whole different podcast <laughs> yeah so. and to a degree I, I wouldn't say in the abuse situation but it is sort of a what you put out is going to be what you get. So if a guy's coming out saying, this is, I want this lewd message to attract a woman into my life, right. like he's got to understand the woman that's going to respond to that's going to be a certain type of woman versus, yeah. so is it so interesting when guys want a woman to be very, very slutty or something like this, but then complain when women are sluts or it's just very interesting when it's like, well, what did you expect when you put out that kind of message to her? It, and then and then after the fact, you're going to judge her for that if she says, yeah, it's it's silly to me. Whereas yeah. I, I'm actually grateful if sometimes a woman puts up a little bit more, let's say, resistance or is a little bit slower to want to do things. In my, in my mind, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. Like, I'm not going to put much judgment on it anyhow. But I encourage you guys to be like, well, be grateful for that. Like, it, it just means she has her own set of standards. And that actually means not every guy, like, she's not just just excited for every single guy that comes along that right. uh, says hi to her. Maybe they're, maybe Maybe she values a little bit more what's on the inside. And I think that's nice. So yeah, I agree. I think that um People that do have values are more willing to take the time to really get to know someone and not take advantage of them. Uh, a lot of times those people aren't willing to put themselves in situations where they're necessarily going to get hurt. And so there is a, a amount of of research, right? We're learning about each other. I want to know, you know, are you a homicidal killer? That'd be a good thing to know if we're going on a first date. You're not going to know that if I, I message you and within five minutes I'm in the backseat of your car. Like there was, there was no time to figure that out. Uh, and then, you know, who, who's to blame with that? So there, there is this period of time where we're getting to know each other. I'm learning about you. I'm learning about your history. I'm learning about some of your little quirky stuff. Um, and you're doing the same. Hopefully you're doing the same with me. And it's not just a one way thing. Cause I have, um, had some conversations with what I will just describe as yes men. And hmm. they overcompensate because they don't want to lose out on a relationship. So they're trying to do everything in their power to make sure the woman is happy, even if that means maybe they're not, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, I might suggest, hey, let's go to an Italian restaurant and they're allergic to tomato sauce. You know what I'm saying? So um, instead of telling me that, they're like, yes, I love Italian. Let's go. And it's like, why didn't you just tell me the truth? Um, so I, I don't want a yes man in my life. I, I, I'm not a, attracted to that at all. I want somebody that has a mind, someone who has opinions, someone who can articulate that intelligently to me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's a turn on, uh, especially since I am also classified as a sapiosexual. We find intellect sexy. So if you, you can have a deep conversation with me, you've got my ear and I'm going to be in completely enthralled with whatever we're talking about. Um, so someone who can engage in good conversation is important. Mm. Got it. <laughs> um, let's see. We talked about quite a bit of stuff on here. Um, did we miss anything? I don't know if we necessarily missed anything. I think it depends. Okay. Actually, you know what? I'd be curious to to hear from you. So 
what are fun, what are ways that you appreciate a guy being playful, especially early on? Let's say like a first date, maybe even if they're messaging you. Um, I am very sarcastic and I love somebody who can match me wit for wit. So if we're being playful, that kind of comes up in a conversation too. Sometimes it's kind of coy, like a play on words, um, mm. where you, somebody might say something and there has multiple meanings. And so you can kind of counteract that with a, a little side joke, right? Cause, um, the, the play on words is, is kind of a cutesy thing. Um, and, and that's a really easy way to come off as being playful in a conversation. Um, and there's, there's no harm in that. So I really enjoy stuff like that. Um, sometimes just talking about things that we enjoy even as kids, right. And then trying to find a way to reenact that. So for example, going for a picnic on a Sunday, that that's a fun, playful thing to do. Um, playing a game of tag in the park when everybody's watching and not really caring, you know, um, going to some place where there's a fountain and getting your feet wet, you know, things like that. It's, it's subtle. It's, it's not mm -hmm. over the top, but it is playful. It's innocent. No one's getting hurt. Um, but it also brings out a side of your partner that maybe was dormant or maybe was dormant in you, you know? And I think that's the other reason why we try to find partners, right? Because we want somebody ultimately that we can have a good time with and relax with and have fun with and forget about all the stresses that weigh us down. And uh, I, I like that. I like somebody who's willing to take a little bit of a chance and do something silly and playful. I've gotten into water fights um, at the kitchen sink doing dishes with somebody and just so much fun, like so much fun. A lot to clean up afterwards, but definitely worth it. So, yeah, it's it's little things like that that um, I really enjoy. Yeah, so. That's really cool. Um, it's certainly something that I think adults in general need to. Uh, it's helpful if they start tuning into that sense of play again, because yeah. I think we take a lot of things too seriously. And when I'm advising guys as best as I can, because oftentimes they are in just some form of stress being like, Oh my God, I'm anxious about this, this date. And how's it going to go? And it's like, well, the more you can right. tap into the sense of play and realize like a date is to a degree, like recess, not fully. Cause I mean, there's other things going on. Like you are trying to get to know her. Sometimes you're going to be having more deep, uh, conversations that, that playfulness might not be the right element to have at that time, but overall to be looking at the the dating as play rather than this sort of checklist of things to do rather as yeah. this like means to an end. It's, it's what's going on in, in, throughout. And that sense of play is, I've just found to be really useful. I'm glad you brought up some of those, like <laughs> the, the silly, simple things, right? Yeah. It, it, like that's really what it is. Right. Um, yeah, I, I keep thinking of a million other things now that we're talking about that. Um, nice. As far as play goes. So, yeah, maybe sometime I'll write a book. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I was um, I was also thinking um, as far as like relationships and stuff go, like you're starting out on this this date and yeah, you do want it to be fun, but learn to to kind of read your partner. Like it, it's great to put in a joke, but make sure it's in it's tactful and at the right time. You know, you don't want to. <laughs> make a story about her dead grandma when she's in tears, you know, like, just don't do that stuff. And it does take a little bit of tact and a little bit of practice. Um, but it's important to actually listen, you know, listen to your partner, what they're saying, listen to their body language. Um, 
and, and start to to cue in on that. You know, that's that's important. Listening is so important in a conversation. It takes it should take up um, eighty to ninety percent of the conversation if we're doing it correctly. You know, mm. so. And how do you know if you're being listened to? Oh, wow. Um, so there is the eye contact. That's the biggest one. You're not on mm. your phone. You're not playing, you know, Candy Rush or texting someone else. You actually are giving me your attention and your time. The mm. most valuable way to tell someone that they care is to give them the only resource you can never get back. And that is your time. Mm. So if you're giving me your time and you're actually paying attention to me, I receive that, you know, it kind of melts my heart just a little because I understand you're paying attention. Um, so you might lean in a little, you know, make sure that you hear me and you understand what I'm saying. You ask clarifying questions. So if you don't understand what I'm saying, you ask and you find out if I really mean this or how it made me feel, you know, you're engaged mm. in the conversation. You're not just sitting there and nodding your head and uh-huh, uh-huh. No, you're, you're with me on this. We're, we're having an interaction. It's not one-sided. You do want to know. Um, so the leaning in, the eye contact, the asking clarifying questions. Um, it's also important not to throw in things that would be pointed or judgmental. Oh, this is how I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So, but that's, that's how I can tell, you know, someone's really paying attention. They're, they're genuinely interested. And it's not just a game. They're not just playing. So um, they, they really want to know. And that's important. And women pick up on that. If you're just, mm -hmm. if you're just there, we'll, we'll know. And I think that that's something that men need to know about women. Like dogs can smell fear, right? <laughs> women can smell in people who are ingenuine. So if, if you're not willing to put in the time and actually care, it's probably better if you just don't show up. Hmm. Um, but if you're willing to put in the time, because relationships are time, they're time and they're work, lots of work, you got to be willing to show up even more so than you do your job. Yeah. So that's interesting. There's like a couple things. I, I, you shared a lot of very interesting things. Sorry, that's kind of become a reverse interview, but I mean, this is a, it's a conversation, right? That's the, the whole goal, that's right. right? We're having a conversation. Yeah. We're interacting. And yeah, so I appreciate that. So what have you, this this ingenuine element, um, I find interesting because some dating advice guys from men out there, they call this testing or uh, sometimes they'll even call it a shit test. And, and I find that really, I found that really interesting because I took a very long time uh, working with students, not really being involved in what other dating coaches were saying. And then I get into this got back into just seeing what other people were saying. And there was just testing and testing. And I thought, I don't know. I don't experience that. I experience women just doing what I would call maybe more like a reality check if if they feel like something's off and just being like, and, and maybe calling a guy out for a second on it. But these guys have these elaborate plans for how to overcome uh, these tests women put. Do you consider that you put out tests or when would you check in with a guy if things felt off from your perspective? So I don't typically test men like that. Um, the thing that I pick up on the most as far as being genuine and, and being actually engaged in, in starting a relationship the first date is, again, how they react to me. 
I have, however, had men put me through tests. Um, I had, hmm. I was dating one gentleman for an entire year. He put me through a series of tests and I finally decided I was done. A lot of the tests were based on, um, whether or not I was loyal, whether or not I was, um, willing to go through hard times to be with this person in all reality is he created the hard times and they didn't need to exist hmm. but i do know that women do that i have seen that too and i call that and i've put this on the podcast before self-sabotage and relationship sabotage because ultimately um, you're testing a person to see how much they're going to put up with and how much they're going to tolerate in order to spend time with you and in my opinion, that's cruel and unusual punishment. Mm. Um, so I, I empathize with anybody who has had to experience something like that. Um, I don't think that people who do that are authentic. I don't think that they are genuine. I think that they are fishing for something greater than what has been presented instead of being present in the moment and enjoying what is there. Um, and I think they miss out on a lot uh, because they, in a way, are kind of projecting their idea of what should be, what someone should tolerate, what someone should put up with, um, the hoops someone should jump through just to have the pleasure of their company. Uh, it's mm. a little bit narcissistic. Um, and so I don't advocate for people to do that. And I do think that it's a great way to ruin a relationship. I think it's a right. good way to drive people away. So men and women alike, if anyone's listening to this, please don't do that. That's horrible. Don't do that to someone um, because it's it's more painful for them. You're putting someone through the agony of this. It's like a, a mental mind game. Um, and it, it's not it's not OK. It's really not. Hmm. Man. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing that. No problem. Thank you yeah. for asking. Yeah. All right. One one more light question, I hope. And uh, <laughs> what? So when I'm talking with guys, sometimes they don't know how to become, how to be more emotional in a conversation, or how to ask like emotional questions. They're very used to logic. They're very used to you say yeah. what you do, and then they'll ask you a bunch of how long you've been doing that. Um, it's interesting because I have to shift from my emotional questions to thinking how they would think. Uh, how long have you been doing that? How much does it make? Uh, how many viewers do you have? Like, so they'll ask a lot of those types of questions rather than like, what do you enjoy about that? Um, what inspired you to, to take that to begin with? So what would you say from your perspective, have you noticed to be the difference between an emotional type of like conversation and a logical one? Um, I think that both can be very impactful. Remember how I said okay. about sapiosexuals, we really enjoy a deep conversation. I True. love existential questions. I love things that deal with uh, metaphysics. And so mm. if we start talking about all the different elements that had to come together just for you and I to have this conversation in this podcast today, that's a gigantic rabbit hole. And I would love to just dive into that, right? It doesn't have to be emotional in order for women to be receptive or to reciprocate. We can engage in all kinds of things. It doesn't necessarily have to be about emotion. But if we are talking specifically about engaging in emotion, um, I think the best thing that women can do in order to get men to 
be more open is for women to start that conversation and talk about how they feel and then invite the other person to join them on that journey. Hmm. And it's the same thing with men too. Men have that opportunity. They can say, you know what, I was thinking about something and this is kind of how it made me feel, but I'd really like to know um, what your thoughts are. All you have to do is be quiet for about half a second. That's all it's really going to take for her to think of enough to come back with a really deep response. Uh, it doesn't take a lot. And I think that as far as dating goes, sometimes we have a tendency to overthink. Um, we, we overcompensate because again, we feel like it's not enough. We're not mm -hmm. enough. The conversation's not enough. It can be so much more. I want this to be the best experience ever. Mm -hmm. And we put all this weight on something that's really very, very simple. Yeah. So. <laughs> I appreciate that. I think I think one of the bigger takeaways then is just tuning into the other person. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be emotional, but that it's about the other person or, or trying to get into their world a little bit more. And then from there, finding where your worlds kind of come together. And then from my perspective, what I like to say is I want to date someone where when we come together, we're, we're bigger than the sum of our parts, the thing we're building together, the relationship, whatever that relationship is. It's not necessarily monogamous, long-term relationship. That That's mm -hmm. what I'm interested in, but it's not that for everyone. But even if it's a relationship of, hey, we're casual with each other or or whatever it is, it's, it is a relationship and that it's a mutual value add for both people as they're putting into it is what I see. And so it seems like a conversation is the beginning stage of that. Yes, absolutely. You always want to be paired with someone who adds value to your life, but also someone that you can do the same thing for. You should always bring out the best part of your partners. And if they can't reciprocate, then it's one-sided and you're now in a codependent relationship. So mm -hmm. it's important to weigh in, both of you, weigh in and find out, you know, are you both getting and giving um, everything that you should in that relationship for it to continue to stay mutual? Um, but I, I agree. I agree completely with that. And it is, you know, that conversation of, you know, let's, let's find out about each other. Let's, let's discover this. Let's, let's bring a little bit more than what's here because without all this growth, we just become stagnant. Stagnation leads to decay. And none of us want to think of our life as being in a state of decay. <laughs> I think I'm curious about it, but I probably wouldn't <laughs> want to want to stick around there forever, but it would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I want to thank you for coming yeah. on today. I really appreciate this. Yeah. Um, and tell us again how people get a hold of you. You have your own URL, right? Sure. Yeah. So people, I guess anyone who wants to, I guess the easiest thing would be go, to go to my website, chrisharder'sdatingcoach.com. If somebody, there's actually some content I'm now putting out on YouTube. I'm pretty excited about it. So it'll be episodes I'm recording for a podcast as well as, um, a whole bunch of different things, but one that I'm really excited about is breaking down different dating shows as the um, the coach, but then kind of giving my overview of what's going on. So The Bachelorette is coming out. I don't quite know when this podcast will go out, but The Bachelorette, the new season's coming out soon, and right. I will be doing um, breakdowns of parts of each episode of, hey guys, this, is, this isn't this is how it would happen. This is how it would happen. Don't do this yourself. So I'm really looking forward to that. Because, oh my gosh, um, that sounds like so, yeah. so much fun. I know so many women who would just love to do that. So I know that you're focused <laughs> primarily on men, but women yeah. would just 
love to watch that. So you and I will subscribe to each other's channels and we will yeah. share those. Um, I'm definitely going to put your website in the, the uh, description. Excellent. And uh, I, you know, we'll just, we'll just share each other's content. I'll send this yeah, out on all of my platforms. Um, and it's, it's been a while and I'll go ahead and tell everybody this now to give them an update. So my viewers who've been on this journey with me since the beginning, I did want to let you know that we are now on nine different platforms. If you didn't know, and we are now, we ha now have viewers or listeners in 22 different countries. So now is a good time to share with your friends, your family, have them engage the stuff that we talk on this show is very important we've never had a fluff piece that wasn't worth some really good information so i'm inviting all of you to share like and subscribe as usual and if you haven't done it yet do it right now before you forget thank you so much chris for joining me today you guys check out his website and until next time own your truth hi everybody